talk about that later. Yes. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year. Uh, after hiatus, we bring you the, uh, you know, the, sometimes people take like a mid-season finale, and then other times you get like the first couple episodes and then finish. I remember Lost did that. We kind of get most of the way, and then we like the last couple of episodes are their like own little mini finale, and then we start right into the next season. We're very, we're very awkward that way, but my name is this Frank. Is the epilogue. I'm yeah, Scott. it's, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul. It's the way that like the the, the 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 most dramatic episode of The Wire was always episode ten or eleven, and then twelve would be the the like the coda. It would sort of wind everything up. But we're here, um, you know, post uh, Super Bowl. Congratulations to, I think it was the Dodgers. Good for them. Um, and Braves, uh, great Super Bowl. You know? Yes, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so good, and. Uh, yeah, we got some news. So it's it's weird because last week we talked. Let me let me just give everyone a little background. Last week we were saying, well, we should. Or two weeks ago we were saying we should probably do a podcast soon because we haven't done one. And then last week we were like gonna do a podcast, and then I said, well, you know, like next week is like supposed to be salary cap hell, you know, where like the it's supposed to be the red wedding, and we'll have something to talk about. Right now it's just a matter of like a lot of speculation and. And so we all agreed, like, well, well, we'll we'll wait till next week when it's a little closer. And then between then and now on Sunday, which we're recording this Sunday podcast, the Bills have sort of gone into overdrive with regards to um, certainly re-signing their players, but a few cuts. Um, and not even on this agenda, which why would it be, would be the whole J.J. Watt saga, which never really materialized. Um but we thought we, we should do one now because we have quite a bit of information. We can talk about this information. And then in the next podcast, um, hopefully we can review some free agency signings and look towards the combine or whatever the hell happens next um, in the NFL calendar because I am completely lost. Um, so let me read these off for you, Paul. Um, yep. Matt Milano, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams – Micah Hyde and Andre Smith. What did they all have in common? I'm going to guess they were all uh, signed before hitting the free agent market and or <laughs> extended with an expiring contract within the next year. Very good. Um, right. Scott, Scott, what do Mitch Morse, Mario Addison and Vernon Butler all have in common? Um, none of them are men who I would want to fight. Yes. Very good, too. Also... They took pay cuts to stay with the Buffalo Bills. So three, four, five, six, seven, that's eight players, eight, you know, five potential free agents um, and three guys who were maybe on the chopping block, like in a lot of years. Potential potential cap victims. Yeah. Cap victims with 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 less, you know, money available and all eight of them. Go out of their way, really, to stay with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I'd say at least seven of them are contributors. um, And the other one, you know, probably much closer to what he's worth. But I will – Paul, you you took the time to put together this list. So I'd like for you to start if you want. Um, Starting with these these eight in any order, uh, uh, all of them, none of them, however you want to tackle it, um, what do you make of all of this – in, in the big picture, and then feel free to talk about any particulars. Yeah, this was really surprising to me. If you had told me a week, just one week ago, uh, that there was an avenue for re-signing Matt Milano and John Feliciano 
and Daryl Williams while still keeping Mitch Morse and Mario Addison and Vernon Butler, I would have asked where you're getting your bath salts from. That really did not seem like a realistic scenario to me. And then the process of doing that to be able to extend one of your contributors, Micah High, and even Andre Smith, who I'm guessing is the one you were noting, like not as you know big contributor as the other seven. I believe he led the team in special team snaps. So obviously he's contributing in that front and the Bills had a very good special teams unit. So yeah, just a, a full credit to Brandon Bean. One thing that you realize when you have a 13 and three team or a 15 and four team, if we want to count the, the postseason, is that you have a lot of good players. And so the one of the in order to maintain that, you need to retain some of those those good players. Matt Milano has been in one of the league's best off the ball linebackers for several seasons now, and his absence in the Bills lineup has been notable for that defense when he has missed time. Same with John Feliciano. Look at the difference in the offensive line when he got back uh, toward the middle of the season and how well they were able to do at, you know, fully protecting Josh Allen. They never quite got it together in the run game. And we're going to have to see how, you know, what the team's strategy is for developing that since they've essentially retained all of their linemen, except for Ike Butker at this point and have Cody Ford coming back. So that's going to be interesting. Daryl Williams, a nice scrap heap signing, you know, last year when it seemed his career was on the downside, he was really brought in, I thought more as a camp body, and here he's the starting right tackle who held T.J. Watt in check in a Steelers game in very impressive fashion. Micah, you know, we've we've talked about him for years. He was the first Bill of the McDermott era to land on the NFL's top 100 list, first Bill in the McDermott era to make a Pro Bowl. And how many times have we complained in the last four years about, man, they're really hitting the Bills over the top with these deep balls? I can't recall one, you know, except, well, Hail Marys. I guess we want to count the Hopkins one. But besides that, you know, rather glaring exception, the Bills just don't get beat deep. And that's a credit to the fact that no one likes to throw against Micah Hyde. So this is exceptionally good news for, you know, both sides of the ball. The way I look at it doesn't keep you from potentially improving at these situations, which I'm sure I'll talk about improving at these in these areas, the offensive line and the secondary uh, and special teams, you know, which we'll talk about more as the pod goes on and as free agency goes on. So that's great. And then on the pay cut guys, Morris was a surprise to me. I was thinking that when they talked about going from more of their pulling style to a mauling style this past year, they mentioned that this didn't really fit Mitch Morris. And that was Brandon Bean who had mentioned that. So I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if this will be a cap exception. But they, they kept him on board, which makes me wonder if, in fact, they're going to go back to the you know kind of pulling linemen sort of running game that worked a little bit better in 2019 than they had the mauling game did in 2020. So that's something to keep an eye on that they thought Mitch Morris was worth it because Morris is a quality offensive lineman, not at all worth the salary that we paid him, but certainly brought stability from uh, the post wood era of, you know, Russell Bodine types who are hanging out. So that's, that's good news. And then you have, you know, Addison and Butler, two big signings we kind of picked on last season because they didn't make the impact we had hoped. Uh, but Mario Addison did, you know, he did an okay job as a, an edge rusher. Still, the Bills need to improve at that area. He knocked down a bunch of passes, you know, four, four passes he knocked down at the line. He'd only had two in his career. So even when he wasn't getting to the quarterback, he was at least preventing positive plays on that front. And I felt Butler, especially when he was able to play one technique a little bit uh, and he wasn't being put out of position, you know, I felt that he he, he did fine, uh, not at the price they're going to pay him. So I think these are all 
excellent moves, and I look forward to seeing what the, the draft and free agency bring now that we're not going to have quite as many holes as we thought we might have to fill. And I am done, in case it wasn't clear. So uh, Frank, I think, might have keyed me, but I'm not sure. I'll just keep talking like he did. Um, All right. <clears throat> the, so we didn't really get a chance to talk about this offseason too much because we were all just so kind of bummed and sad about how things ended that we just kind of went into a little hole and I'm and I fully was supportive of that I think I so I'm going to start with the general and then I'll get a little to the specifics of where Paul was this is a very new feeling for Bills fans in general right because obviously the team has not been great for 20 years um, I think the team was pretty as close to great as we've been for the last 20 years last year. Even the two playoff years that we had, th- we lost in the first round um, and, you know, in close games to teams that weren't that great. Um, and, and games where we had major flaws kind of show up, whether it's only scoring three points against Jacksonville or kind of a complete second half meltdown in Houston where we only scored a touchdown on the first drive. So... Neither of those, you know, left us going into the off seeing like, oh, yeah, we, we got a lot of the answers figured out. Now we really just kind of take around the edges. So it's completely different now. Obviously, we have we made the AFC championship game. Obviously, we weren't terribly competitive in that game, but whatever. I think we're certainly in a much better position than we were coming into any offseason in the last 20 years. So it's a much different. Um, it would have been a completely different offseason already. Then you add into the the cash back rewind of. Um, the salary cap and you get into this position where now the your evaluation of your team as it currently stands relative to every other team in the league is arguably way more critical than it's ever been because now is when you have the opportunity now through the signing period or whatever where maybe you've got more leverage than you might have in, in years past to keep these on your team guys maybe to me I, the where I'm heading is I am, I mean, like, I love last year's team. I liked watching them. They were still a solid, they, they, they weren't, they, they were clearly the second best team in the conference. And then that, that, that team that was the best in the conference was almost certainly the second best team. Um, you know, it was not the best team in the league. They were clearly probably the second best team based on how the Super Bowl went. So we're at minimum, you know, at, at the most, we're, uh, you know, a top three team. And that's obviously very good, but it's, it's also not the top team. And so I guess I'm a little concerned, I will say about some of the moves. I'm not very concerned. Obviously this team takes a lot of, uh, uh, this team takes a lot of pride in uh, culture, which is good. And I support, um, I, it takes a lot of pride in, um, you know, making sure that we don't overspend on things, which is good. I think that said, I'm 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 confused. Like, um, Addison and Butler, I, I I question. I do even with even even letting them stay on the team with the pay cuts. Um, honestly, there's a part of me that even wonders a little bit about Matt Milano. I I, I really like Matt Milano, and I know that's heresy to a lot of people, but I guess what I'm saying is. You have to be totally lock solid, 100% sold that this team was really close to Kansas City and Tampa Bay. And I guess I'm not 100% rock solid sold that we were there. 
um, to bring back guys like Addison and Butler. Butler, we're not paying him to, to make sacks, but no sacks. All right. Addison, we are paying to make sacks, five sacks. Um, you know, those are those are the numbers. Um, you know, basically, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Milano paid played for uh, basically the same number that Levante David did. Levante David has made, I think, one All Pro team and one Pro Bowl, and I think Milano has made. I don't. I'm not sure if he's made any. You nope. could argue that maybe he's been borderline. Yeah. David was first team all pro his second year and he's, you know, pro bowl once since then, um, obviously now super bowl champ. Um, so it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's making a pretty big bet. And I understand this is a, this is a business of risk, right? And what was the money that you were going to, I mean, were we going to go out and get Levante David? I don't know. Um, what were the areas of this team that we needed to spend money on? I feel like for me, it was it was clearly we're making one of JJ Watt. Clearly, that was that the, all the money was out there. I'm not saying JJ Watt needed to be the answer, but he could have been an answer. And there are other guys that I think might have, like if you ask me, whatever we're paying the other in the other piece of this, and I'll, I'll wrap up soon. The the other piece of this is, you can say you know it's a good deal to lock up the people we have in house, but we have no idea what this market's going to look like in in Wednesday when it opens up. We have no idea, as Frank said, or, or Paul was saying. Like it's 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 going to be a massacre out there. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be looking for work. And that that unfortunately now, from a human perspective, I have sympathy for those guys. Yada yada yada. Admittedly, I have sympathy for a lot more people who have gone through a lot more stuff with a lot less money on the line. <laughs> um, but at the same time, the for the teams that. I, I agree that you're in. Everyone's got salary cap problems, but it's still going to be a buyer's market. It's going to be a buyer's market for those teams. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going below market rates, and I don't. Obviously, we don't know what the Addison number is. We don't know what the, the Butler number is, as far as I know. Uh, we don't know what kind of things. But those guys were signed to some major money. I don't think they're going to be taking the veteran minimum, which is about what their performance was last year. So I'm not really sure about those moves specifically. I think Milano, I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll live with it because I think he can get better. David's a little older, you know. Trying to find another linebacker like him in this market might not have been as good. There may not have been another guy who is good as Milano, so maybe you overpay just because he's in house and he's a guy who's got some growth potential, and you've obviously got the connection there in house. Um, so I, I think I'll live with that one. But just that move combined with the other two is a little is a little concerning. Um, and so that's I'm, I'm not. 100% sold on all of these. But I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm an asshole. So, okay, Well, we so, all are in your defense. So quick question for Scott. Um, if you had to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down and you weren't allowed to equivocate overall, which one would you say it is? Is it an overall thumbs up, these, these signings and pay cuts, or is it a thumbs down? And then I have a quick follow-up for Paul. So, so you're asking me of all the collective ones so far? Yeah, collectively so far... Are you that's not more a, I'm not going to answer that. That's dumb. Well, I, I'm making you. I am <laughs> no, I, I'm making question. you. That's oh, a yeah. dumb question. I don't care if it's a good podcast. <laughs> that doesn't that, that's I'm not going to answer that question because I have to I I don't A, I haven't been following it enough. B, um I've got my reputation on the line and that means a lot to me. Sure. Um and C <laughs> at least it means a lot to one person. The, oh. the closest answer that I will actually say is I don't know how the rest of the I don't know how the rest of this is going to fall. Um, and what the rest of the strategy is. 
um, and what they do with some of these other things and what their strategy is and do they feel like they're they're trying to do some of this stuff? If you want to if you want to put me on the spot okay. and say Hold so on, far, let, let, what is it? Let's try it this way. Let's try it this way. On on a scale of zero to ten, I'd ask you how happy you are, and in lieu of saying five, are you closer <laughs> to six or closer to four? <laughs> Just on a feeling basis. Like, Which one of us have... is a lawyer on this call? I, I can't tell. <laughs> right. you know. just, just on a feeling, like, how are you feeling basis? It's not an, a right or wrong answer. It literally is just, what is your emotional feeling so far? Do you feel like it's a five and a half or do you feel like it's a four and a half? I feel like it's a five and a half. Okay. I feel like it's a five and a half. I, what I didn't talk about, obviously, and you can feel free to touch on, I like, I like bringing Williams back. To me, that was a big get. I think okay. I think he is an he is an all pro talent, and we're we're locking him up for decent money. And I you know everyone knows me I'm a big fan of the O line and keeping them intact. Feliciano clearly the team was a better better team with him in on the O line even though his performance himself was not necessarily perfect. And then obviously Morris taking the pay cut I think is is great because I think that lets us bring in Feliciano. So I think I'm I'm, I'm on board with all three of those moves. Um, and so I'm I no no concerns about those. I it it, it hurts. Personally, to see smoke goodbye, but I understand, you know, if, if you're going to have to find places to cut, that was the area where we're the deepest. So it, it makes sense. And his skills are more, more, um, repl- I don't want to say replaceable, but like Gabe Davis brings you 90% of what smoke Brown does at one tenth the cost, even if that. So. so we'll have to do the math on that later. This is my follow up for Paul. Paul, right. you, you may have said, but I don't think you did. Was there any of the signings you weren't thrilled with? The only in, you know, I am not as, as negative as Scott, uh, generally. I want to say a five and a half for Scott is like a, like a seven for a lot of people. That's true. That's so we've got to go by that. It's pretty good that I pinned him down at five and a half. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The one time, (laughs) I mean, it's tough to have emotions about Andre Smith. We barely talked about him. The height extension we barely talked about because he wasn't going anywhere this year anyway, but kudos to him. So the one specifically that Scott talked about i am a little more positive uh for sure on a guy like vernon butler i disagree with i think you have a a defensive lineman an interior lineman whose job isn't necessarily to make a lot of big plays and i thought he did a passable job and allegedly his pay cut is 1.99 million dollar pay essentially a two million dollar pay cut Uh, i'd have to look at what his base was to see what that you know evens out to but you're gonna get ludalele back you're gonna have ed oliver in there you need someone behind them because we know Harrison Phillips was not going to be that guy based on what we saw out of him last year. And then are you going to depend on Justin Zimmer? Are you going to depend on someone coming up from the squad? I think that was, I think that was good to retain. And I think and Scott brings up a good point that Addison's not a top edge rusher by any means. He was a mediocre edge rusher last year where you're just going to elite edge rushers do not grow on trees. That is why everyone was throwing billions of dollars at JJ Watt because there is such yeah. desperation for that position. And the bill's like, well, we have someone who's capable and who's proven it. And he had a, you know, not a great season by no one's going to argue that, but he did at least passably in my view. And he, he, and that was without any preseason, barely any training camp uh, in his first year, you know. And a guy who's missed, a guy who's missed, you know, by a lot of standards, lots of time. Like, you know, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, and that pretty much, you know, that's where my disagreement, I think Scott is, you know, uh, here's, I'll say this, and this will be my last point on the matter. I think a, 
of all the dysfunction the Bills have faced over the years, improving the offseason has not really been one of them, largely because it's not difficult to get better or at least not get worse when you're bad or mediocre. You know, it's been literally 50 years since any Bills team that finished 6-10 and 10 or worse didn't at least equal the record from the year before, and 35 years since any team that, that finished worse than 6-10 and 10 didn't improve the next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I doubt that's unique to the Bills. It's easier to get better when you're not that good. But it is tough to improve on a 13-3 regular season and a 15-4 overall record in a conference title game appearance. You know, when you're that good, it's going to be tough to maintain that record, uh, nonetheless improve upon it. Uh, and so that's going to be the challenge the team is facing the offseason. And I think where Scott is kind of missing with all those things being true is like, they're not done. This is just getting the pieces on board that you need. Now you go get the free agents. Now you go have the draft. And I think with those points, I'm very happy with everything they've done. Yeah, they have. So they have, I mean, I, I want to talk a bit more about tea leaves and big picture, because I think you guys have done a good job of, of, of getting into some of the nitty gritty. And it's great because per usual, um, we have different opinions and slightly different opinions. And there's a lot of overlap in what we agree and nothing seems unreasonable. I, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm doubtful of Matt Milano, but I was sort of looking at Matt Milano like, like, well, you know, he missed a handful of games and he wasn't himself this year. And that's going to be a lot to invest in a guy. And I also think that Scott was right that like, even if that's the case, um, his skill set is hard to replicate at linebacker. Um, I think that the pursuit of J.J. Watt, much like the pursuit of Antonio Brown a few years ago, is a clear indication they understand – they have a clear understanding that there is a, a issue at a position group. And I don't know that um, – I do think that their resigning of some of the people on the defensive line is a vote of confidence in Starla Tule returning and – eating up some of the middle and freeing up some of those guys. But I, I wouldn't say that you pursue J.J. Watt thinking you're done um, by just re-signing a handful of the guys that they have. I think that there will be either draft picks or free agents that are available, and we'll, we'll talk about them a bit more later. Um, I think that one of the things that I am – I don't think Scott put it this way, but I think I'm in agreement with the worry I have is – that if this is the if this is the um if this were the end of it right like if it was like hey we got all our guys back and isn't that great because we like got to the AFC championship game and we just needed a better effort against Kansas City um then I think you're missing the point because I think that even if you are the best team, you have to improve the next year. You always have pieces that are going to get worse and some pieces that need to be replaced. And so for me, the idea that you could just repeat last year as a given would be a really big problem. I think the only thing that's saving me from going full tilt on that is that they've never really seemed – like that group to me the front office and the head coach have never really seemed like a group that said well we're talented enough we just have to do it now they've never been that way they've always sort of seemed like they can improve and want to improve and are going to try and improve and again i don't i think the pursuit of jj watt um illustrates that they they know that i think some of the other tea leaves though are they're pretty happy with their offensive line I think that that is an indication that they think it's the running backs more so than the line, that it really is an issue of we can improve on Devin Singletary and, um, gosh, uh, the other Zach guy, Moss. Zach Moss. Thank you. It was coming to me as you were about <laughs> to say it, Zach Moss. Um, 
you know, and TJ Yeldon, for Christ's sake, uh, as opposed to, well, we need to run block better. I think that there is a clear, my guess is they probably want a pass catching running back who is going to do that for them instead, because I think that there's probably a level of, we don't really need to run it all that much better because look how well, look how great our offense was without a really good running game. And we don't really necessarily need a running game. We need a running back that'll catch the football in the flat consistently and, and, and be able to break it off for a while. So I wonder if they'll look for that type of person in the draft. Um, second, Evan Singletary fourth. could catch 50 straight passes in the flat for the next three years. And we'll never forget the one he dropped. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He will never let it go. Nope. I'm sorry. They were ahead, and it was the... That, that to me, was a key moment in the most critical game of the year. That was it. uh, That was uh, the drop flat pass. That was the one that killed it. 30 points later. So easy to... Yep, got it. They were ahead. It was not only a first down, it was probably much more. And I don't, all I'm saying is I don't know what happens if they get that first down. If we combine Paul's momentum theory with Mm -hmm. my it's his fault theory, there's a chance they win the football game. (laughs) Or at least they don't look like total assholes when they play the football game. And then we're talking about losing to Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, damn it. And that would be so awesome to be talking about. And it's not just, (laughs) it's not just that with, with Singletary for me, Singletary all year seemed to want to make cuts when he didn't have to. I felt like he was playing against a ghost team that none of us (laughs) could see. Cause he constantly was like, I'm going to go right all of a sudden for no fucking reason. Anyway. We should have um, Sam Darnold back there with him. They can and, see their ghosts. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Zach Moss fumbled, and TJ Yeldon apparently, like, m- must be a member of Q. And I, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. I don't know what TJ Yeldon has done that he cannot, he cannot be like trusted on the football field. But right. he can't. Except, be. except say in the AFC Championship game, give him half the snaps. <laughs> but until then, don't play him. Then in the biggest game of the year, you know what? Take half the snaps at running. Only because the other guy fumbled. (laughs) And the other guy dropped the ball. (laughs) We talked about that championship game. There were tons of problems. But all I'm saying is my belief is you don't re-sign four linemen and let the center take a pay cut. When you have another guy who could probably play center in Feliciano, you could have given that money to Feliciano, gotten rid of him, and they said, like, why would we do that? Morse is a good center. We can do that. We don't think there's a problem with the line. They kept Allen clean for most of the year. That's the import. That's their job. Their job is to keep Allen clean. Allen is the little engine that could that could run, and that's good. It does bring up the question about uh, the cuts. We talked. We did. We touched on um, John Brown. Um, Quentin Jefferson also cut from the team. I think. I think. Uh, look. Brown even said it in some quote I read on Twitter. You know, he missed some time. They went 5-0 and in the games he missed. The, the offense didn't look great, but they won all the games. And by the time in the end of the year when he couldn't play very well, he he was um he was kind of replaceable by Gabe Davis, to be blunt. You know, by then, um, Josh Allen's excellent rapport with Stefan Diggs became God level. So it, it became Hall of Fame level rapport with Stefan Diggs. It became like a season you will talk about forever kind of rapport with Stefan Diggs. And so it didn't really matter that John Brown couldn't 
do what he had done or, or they weren't necessarily getting him the ball as much because they had found a way to be a super productive offense without him. Um, I think his skill set is replaceable, if not directly him replaceable. I think he's great. I hope he, like C.B. Johnson, goes on to somewhere else and catches many footballs and has a great career. I really like John Brown. I think John Brown's great. That said, from a money perspective, there's better places to spend that money. Um, So I, I think with that, I think the last thing is that I wanted to say is that the good news is you've got buy in from players and. I don't know that that would have been the case with previous teams. I think it's a nice thing that it's not just a Doug Marone 9-7 and seven team or something. It really is like, this is kind of a good place to play. I want to stay here. I could probably make more money, but I don't necessarily could. I don't think I could make that much more money, and I'd rather stay here and have a real shot at winning than necessarily looking for that. And I don't know what to do with that because Buffalo for a long time has been a place where you would have players who weren't great show up and a place where you'd have guys like rehabilitating their career, career like Kavika Mitchell or Terrell Owens, who are like looking for either their last contract or a bridge contract to prove that they can still play. Um, And here you have guys who clearly, you know, I I think Milano and Feliciano, chief among them, uh, that could have been paid very well to play somewhere else. And they chose to stay here. And I think that's really cool. I think that's an interesting place that I don't fully know how to explore or explain. And what I'm excited about is the additions that they can make to it. Um, so uh, with that, uh, we'll move over to our free agency preview. Preview. If either of you want to talk about John Brown or Quentin Jefferson, um, feel free to. But I feel like we kind of talked about them. Um, you know, as I had said in the chat, like I am not angry that either one of those guys are gone. Basically, they should have scored more touchdowns and gotten more sacks. That's that's what I, that's my opinion. Um, so we get free agency. We're going to talk about who they might sign um, and who they might lose. Let me give you the list of people who are still free agents as of this tweet, um, as of this podcast, because Feliciano got signed as we started. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Andre Roberts, the kick returner, uh, Matt Barkley, Taiwan Jones, TJ Yeldon and Dean Marlowe, Tyler Croft, uh, Ty Nisecki, uh Josh Norman. Uh, Levi Wallace, Bohorquez, the punter, and Ike Bodiger. Um, I guess it, l- let me start just briefly by saying, like, I'm not, I, I think Bohorquez stays. I'll, they'll figure out his punter contract. Um, he, he's been really good in the field position battle so much as that they've used a punter. Uh, he's been, he's been an excellent punter. Um, and in that regard, I really tried to figure out a way to not pay the kick returner because my initial thought was like, well, he, you know, Andre didn't score a touchdown, so what do I care? Uh, but I mean, the Bills, the Bills were like fifth or sixth in average start position. He led the league in kick return yards, and my feeling is, so long as um, the Bills, so long as there is a kickoff, they're going to kind of value a guy like that who is giving them production for 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 where they start. And I think that that's probably a key thing for them. My guess is that he resigns as well. Um, Wallace, I don't know. Norman is done. Um, Niseki, I'm not interested in. 
Croft to me depends on whether they find another tight tight end or not. Dean Marlowe and Dean Marlowe and Wallace, I think, again, are um, in the same boat. Like they're both guys they know. They're both guys they know the advantages and disadvantages of. If they can sign better, they will. But you know, all things being equal, those guys come back if they can't have a clear upgrade. Um, I gotta think Taiwan Jones is done. Um, and I don't know. Matt Barkley and I'm not sure McKenzie. McKenzie, I'm iffy on. I, I think I, I think I say McKenzie walks. Um, I, but Barkley, I think. I don't. I, that is entirely a question about where they think Jake Fromm is. If they think Jake Fromm is a good court backup, then Matt Barkley will will end his tenure with the Bills, and everyone will be everyone will think he was a very nice backup, and they were excited to, that he was such a nice guy and on the team. Um, but if they aren't confident in, in in from, then I think Barkley comes back, even though it costs them a little bit of money. Uh, we started with Paul last time, so let me start with Scott. Uh, what do you think of those, and, and who do you think they might sign? I mean, <clears throat> I think I think you have to. I mean, I think you get either McKenzie or Roberts. I think you you can't do both. Um, I, I'd be fine with Roberts. I feel like um, he is more consistent in the value. I feel like McKenzie um, has games where he scores three touchdowns and a half and then he has games where he gets you one catch and one carry and 12 yards and and i feel like with roberts you're going to consistently get the the, the the field position bonus um that comes with having to touch the ball seven or eight times in a very specific kind of way uh, i think you know yeah I, i'm i'm all for keeping marlowe as as quality depth um a guy that they know um, same way, uh, Wallace again as a restricted free agent. We've got leverage there, so that seems like a good deal. Still continues to be um, Becker. I'm not totally sure on. I'm not sure where he shakes out in the grand scheme of things. Again, I think it's maybe him or Inseki. I don't think it's both. Uh, they clearly like the Bates guy, um, who can give them pers- positional versatility as well. Um, yeah, Croft. I'm not. I'm not really convinced on. So I, I think there's going to be some guys. I, I will say. The, the 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 we obviously don't know. I mean, Paul said that it was maybe two million for Butler. Um, I am looking at the over the spot track right now. It has Butler as making five point eight million this coming season. Addison is making eight point one. Um, so obviously, we we'll have to see what what Addison's hit is. But if assuming like let's say Addison cuts his salary in half, which is not even what what Butler did, but let's say it was even half. Then the Bills have about 15 million walk around cap space right now, maybe 16. Um, obviously, I forget what the number is, but you need like six or seven just to sign your rookies, basically, mm-hmm. on the rookie pay scale. And then if you're going to sign just those two or three guys I just mentioned, then you're looking at another three or four million right there. So you have about one mid mid-tier at best free agent that you can sign. Um, and that is my concern with where we ended up the previous discussion with the amount of money that's being committed here. Obviously, I'm doing a lot of fizzy math here. We don't know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's going to be some issues. Maybe there's enough to get two kind of mid-tier guys or one really solid guy. Obviously, I think we're at the point where we're looking. I mean, in some ways, you want the big-name guy because he's going to be the guy on a team that's already pretty good. You need somebody who's really good to make an impact and get you over the hump. Um, for me, I honestly was a little disappointed that we didn't get Aaron Jones. Obviously, the Packers already resigned him to a very expensive 
four-year, $48 million deal. But he is a guy who can score from anywhere in the field on some level, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think my issue, I think I agree that on some level the offense is fine and we don't need to really worry about it that much. Um, but on the other hand, you could also say we're far more over-invested on defense. And the issue is on the offense that you need a big player to, to crack it. Like, when you think about, I'm, I, you know me, I'm always more interested in the draft a little bit. Uh, if you think about the running backs who are in college this year, you know, there's two or three good guys there. Obviously, Najee Harris and, and, um, and Hugs Etienne, Travis Etienne from Clemson. Both guys who have game-breaking speed. Um, ATN more so. Um, he is a guy who, if he's available at the end of the first round, you'd have to think about pulling the trigger on. But otherwise, no one's going to move the needle enough from where the Bills' passing offense is to get you to focus on the run game more. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. For your offense to take it to, like, the full-on Kansas City slash 99 Rams, you know, level, you need... It can't just be Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. You got to have basically Marshall Falk coming out of the backfield. It can't just be some guy. If it's just some guy, we got some guys right now. Nobody's scared of them. They're going to still play the pass. They're going to still defend us like the way they did last year. So you have to way upgrade on running back, and that's going to be tough. So I think you take a shot at running back in the draft. So I think you look more at corner um, or you look at defensive end. Um, to Paul's point about. Um, you know, there there may not be a lot of edge rushers out there. I will uh, say Shaq Barrett, who we're not going to afford. Matthew Judon, probably not going to afford. Carl Lawson, be great to afford. That's probably going to be a little still out of our price range if he's from the Bettles. Hassan Reddick, Trey Hendrickson, Leonard Floyd, Bud Dupree. Uh, I could keep going. Yannick Nagakoy, uh, Romeo Okwara, Carlos Dunlap. Those are all guys. Jadavian Clowney is probably, you know... A little further down the list, obviously more of an injury history, not as much of a pass rusher. Um, but there are guys who are out there where, depending on what the market is, Justin Houston is on this list of edge rushers, uh, Melvin Ingram, a guy who's played for the Chargers and been productive for a lot of years. Um, there's plenty of guys out there who can help improve the pass rush. And I think I don't think I can count on this defensive line to organically get better just with Latulale coming back and really just Ed Oliver getting a year older. I mean, I think Ed is fine, but I don't think he's going to be um, he's. I don't think he's going to be an all-pro guy, which is unfortunately where we were hoping he would be at this point. I don't, I don't know that he's going to get there. I think he can be solid. I think he could be, you know, a good player, maybe even a pro bowler, but he's he's not there yet. Um, I, have a, him- sorry, I have a quick motion to pass on Ed Oliver since you brought him up. I believe we should refer to him as Ed Olivier until he makes a pro bowl. Okay. Like Carla Jean Spiller? Yes. Kind of uh, concept that, there. Kind of. Yeah. Less sexist, but yes. Basically. <laughs> Secondist. As we call him, Paul's sexist. Se- sexism didn't exist in 2012. For nope. the, you know. Didn't, or 2020. Didn't. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Not real. Um, no, we did call him that, of course. And we all did that. So we all partook in the, in, in the joke about making it. Well, we called him Claudia Jean because, we, you know, CJ, CJ, what's her name from, uh, it was mostly from just the West Wing? another name. Right. Oh, but I like to. Oh, I just thought it was a random name. I thought it was CJ. I was always. I personally always thought of CJ Craig from the West Wing. Um, Sure. But, but I I just think we should call him Ed Olivier until, uh, you know, because it's just kind of French sounding until he, you know, does something worth the goddamn. Sir Ed Olivier. Sir Ed Um, Olivier. It's it'll give him a little boost maybe. 
Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I'd, I'd focus on pass rusher, and for me, I'd focus on cornerback. Um, I think, again, the defense is pretty strong, but obviously, you know, we gotta, we need, we need a couple more horses to keep up with Kansas City. I don't know where we're gonna find them, whether it's Xavier Rhodes, whether it's, uh, you know, somebody like who was on my list here, the list I'm looking at, Quentin Dunbar from uh, the Seahawks. Uh-huh. Uh, once a once upon a time, Bill Ronald Darby, most recently of the Washington football <laughs> team, um, could be could probably available for the right price. Rashad Reeland can't beat him, join him, or get them to join you. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's it's tough because you want to say the defense needs to get better, but you're already over invested there. The offense is already looking good, but you could say that there's even more that you could invest there to kind of capitalize on strength. So I, I could see it going either way. Uh, yeah. So let me let me pitch it to Paul because I'm sorry that Scott was so annoyed with my interruption that he just rolled right over it. I apologize completely, <laughs> Paul. I will not interrupt you. Go ahead. You are you are totally allowed to interrupt. Yeah, there's a lot of points of agreement and points of disagreement with you uh, both on on this. So hey, that's what we want. So well, I'll I'll start like everyone else did on the you know the remaining free agents and who they might lose. I agree that it's going to be one or the other of McKenzie or Roberts. I almost think I would like to bring McKenzie back because you've, you're probably, you need a little bit of speed on offense. They've lost that with John Brown, which I think they'd lost anyway. The second Brown's hamstring started bugging him. Mm-hmm. He was not the same player. And as everyone knows, Frank and I are card cane members of the Christian Wade club. And <laughs> you know, just saying, we've seen what he can do in the open field. Seems like he could be a kick returner for a minimum NFL salary. Uh, and this is not mean that Andre Roberts played two seasons with the Bills and made two Pro Bowls. And we, except for going to the house, you couldn't really ask much more of him. But he's a, mm-hmm. you know what, 32-ish, 33-ish year old, you know, kick returner. You, you only got so much, you know, you can afford there. But if he comes back and McKenzie does, and I'm not going to be too crazed about that. Yeah, is it, is it going to be Jake Fromm or Davis Webb as backup QBs? Al, we've been lucky with Al in the last two seasons, but it's plausible he misses, you know, three games with injury. Can they win three games without, you know, without him there? So, you know, that's something to, you know, to, to be concerned about. If you don't get Barkley, who do you get? Jones, again, might be out of the price range because especially he's going to need one point some million dollars or more. And are you going to have that spent on special teams? Love to see him back. I'd hope so. Yeldon, nice knowing you. Marlowe, good depth at a cheap rate. I'd be fine with, you know, he's a safety who's familiar with the system. And then, yeah, the rest of these guys, Croft and Secchi, you know, they they just didn't really measure up. Uh, Josh Norman, part of the Philip Gaines, EJ Gaines Kevin Johnson, who can we bring in to replace Levi Wallace and never actually find a guy role uh, that he tried to take? And he's clearly, he started some games last year, but he battled with injury. And I think he's just, you know, he's largely over the, over the, you know, the, the hill at this point. So do they bring back someone like Ronald Darby? I'll get to that in a second. Uh, And then the restricted guys, I wouldn't be surprised if they go the 2020 Isaiah McKenzie route with these guys and elect to not sign any of them to offer sheets and, you know, let them become free agents and hope they can sign them for less knowing that this is a tight market. It's risky, but the only one of these guys they lose, which would annoy me is Bajorquez. As much as I think Walls has, you know, done an okay job, 
he's never really stepped up to being that. Yes, this he's like he's like you know Kirby Jackson. He's fine over there at left cornerback. You know he does he did what he did across from Nate Odoms, but they're always looking to upgrade from him, and you know they they just you know, couldn't do so. So if they lose him, fine. Butker's nice depth on the line, but I assume Cody Ford is coming back to take over an interior starting role on that line. And they will no doubt address the line in the draft, if not free agency. So I could live without out him too, uh, which goes into the uh, replacement of, of players. And I think I'll, I'll sneak in one of our questions on Twitter now, because it just fits in this discussion where THJ asked us, you know, how do the Bills improve the pass rush? Limited cap room available. Pick 30 a bit late for a stud DE. Scott talked, Scott literally listed every single edge rusher on the NFL's top 100 free agents list. So I, I'm not going to mention any names because Scott hit them all. But I think you're going to look at the second wave of free agency, see which one of these guys doesn't get the contract they get or which ones of these guys and get one of them. And then you have to really hope you get lucky in the draft because you can sometimes get an edge rusher lower and you know that will you know meaning you luck out on one that's underrated and that guy's able to step in and do a great job so they kind of need to hope for that also we haven't talked about aj epinesa at all and his improved play as the year went on last year aside from ed olivier's development on the interior line you can also look for Epinesa to develop. He went from a healthy scratch in week one to being a guy who was getting significant playing time in the AFC title game, uh, you know, without the benefit again of any sort of, of preseason or any time to get up to speed. So that could happen there too. And then I'll also transition on to the wide receiver part of free agency. He said, do they need a speed wide receiver after Brown's departure? THJ, excellent point. I'd mentioned McKenzie, but I do think, you know, people have talked about Marquise Goodwin. I think his speed is dwindled now in recent years, now that he's going to become a free agent again. Not that I wouldn't mind having him back in Buffalo, but I think it helps. Yeah, if you have that guy who's a threat downfield, it's going to help Diggs underneath. It's going to help Beasley underneath. It's going to help Gabe Davis underneath. And all of those guys, except Beasley, are also deep threats, but it's kind of great to have a guy who consistently every down you're worried about him getting behind you and stretching the field. And I think they absolutely need to look for a replacement, but speed is, while it's a commodity, it's one that you can get in the draft without making a huge commitment to, uh, if they can find a mid range, you know, wide receiver with speed, um, you know, I, I'm all for it, but let's face it. Someone like T.Y. Hilton is, you know, not going to not going to do much. Maybe a guy like, you know, Will Fuller, uh, you know, he's out there. Uh, I think he's going to be too much, too much money. I think, you know, Rashad Perryman could be a guy. He's 27. So, you know, maybe he's someone who can step up. And remember, John Brown was not John Brown until he came to the Bills. He had his career year with the Bill and Bills in 2019. So maybe a guy like Perryman, who's not impressed uh, with the Jets, you know, really who has impressed with the Jets? Maybe he just needs a, a change of scenery. So I think with those things addressed, looking at free agency um, in six hours begins uh, Frank's favorite term, which is legal tampering. And, you know, <laughs> this is when the bills are going to start talking to people. And so what are you looking for? We just talked about wide receiver and edge. Uh, I think most of what you're going to look for is depth. I don't think you're going to, I think a splash wide receiver might not be bad because it's good to have weapons. Splash running back is tougher because by the time running backs hit free agency nowadays, the ones that do are often, you know, past their prime. So I don't think you'd look there. Tight ends are one, that's kind of an area we haven't really talked about. Guys like Johnny Smith are out there. 
I think you probably look for tight ends to improve this this team. Nothing against Dawson Knox. I haven't given up on him developing as a player, but you know we'll we'll see how that goes. Now on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about edge, interior. One techniques are you know fairly cheap. Uh, so maybe you can find, not counting Starla Tule, who they're paying a trillion dollars to. Obviously, they're fine at linebacker. And then, yeah, the cornerback market, Scott had mentioned Ronald Darby. I've mentioned the chain of people they brought in to replace him. I really think they're probably going to have to. I, let's put it this way. I would not be shocked if they invest, in, since we're not talking about the draft specifically today. Uh, I think when it comes to draft time, I would not be surprised if they end up going cornerback later in the draft and hoping to get another Trey White uh like they got before and one quick thing i want to note earlier scott had mentioned six million is the figure for the draft i've read some articles and that might very well end up being correct but there are some articles i've read recently that indicate with the uh drop in the cap this year and how that's affect the team as well as the fact that the bills not drafting their usual top 10 or 15 spot are now drafting at 30 uh their salary load is might going to be might be closer for five to five million for the rookies that they sign assuming they don't trade up get more picks that sort of stuff for what it's worth so yep and so we so we are about to begin with the free agency fun yeah i i don't have much to add and i know we have more listener questions so i kind of want to jump into in into that i really i don't know i'm excited to see what they do i think that you know i think that there's something that they have uh ready to um do i think that it will be i think there's one surprise left i don't know what it is but i'm excited for it and i think we should just go right into listener questions and um this day in bill's history um so which is a lot of talking for paul and i feel bad for paul but that's all right such is such is life here we go um yeah and sorry if by the way if my mic's causing issues let me know but i think i'm i'm indoors and i uh, so i think hopefully it's not my mic but i will mute, mute myself I'll mute me and we'll see it could just right. be scott's a maniac that's true that's that's plausible all right so we answered thj's question tommy step aside thank you tommy the uh it was good to have those the other questions and this is an interesting topic and i'll i'll go first and then um you know let you guys jump in there's been talk, and, and this was a few listeners. Michael Mullen said, I remember maybe Paul floating the idea of an off-season discussion on a new stadium. Bill statement downtown Buffalo, and David's like, yes, more stadium talk, please. I like the idea of making it easier for Canadian fans to cross the Peace Bridge on foot over the Peace Bridge for games. I said Peace Bridge twice. He did not. That was my fault. Uh, might build further uh, stability in the franchise's footing in Buffalo and discourage the NFL from placing the team in Toronto. I feel like we only discuss the stadium once a year, and it probably deserves... A About little bit. Time. Yes. Yeah. And so, and this is important because I just realized when I looked, the lease expires on July 30th of 2023, which means they have only two more seasons left at the stadium before they either need to re-up the lease, uh, which they'll have to do because unless they start construction on a new stadium tomorrow, which is not going to happen, they don't have anything in place, you know, they'll have nowhere to play. Mm-hmm. So... You know, Tim Graham and The Athletic, uh, everyone subscribe to The Athletic. I don't want to, you know, plagiarize Tim too much here, uh, but I'm going to just because he gives some good points on the stadium this week. He noted that, you know, Andrew Cuomo's office, two of the Pagulas for years have been discussing the public money with uh, and the idea of taxpayer dollars for a ballpark instead of education or infrastructure is never an easy sell. The pandemic has caused New York's population to decline, its unemployment rate to bloat. And he notes as long as Cuomo is in control, however, the Pagulas could find some comfort in any previous discussions and assurances. Um, but who knows what Cuomo's future holds at this point? 
Uh, and they've talked about the lieutenant governor, Kathy Hochul, being a, a Buffalo native. Um, and her husband works for Delaware North, which is a Buffalo-based stadium concessions giant. So she could sign off on state money, but that could be considered a conflict of interest because of who, um, you know, her husband is. So, you know, there's all sorts of questions that we haven't really, you know, delved into that are important for the, you know, future of the, the franchise. So I think it's the bills are going to have to answer what they want to accomplish with this new stadium. You know, the construction around the Sabres arena made Buffalo, they called it hockey heaven. And except for the actual hockey team in Buffalo, it has been <laughs> hockey heaven. You know, you've got a, yeah, the NFL combine, you know, plays there. You've had frozen four uh, or the, excuse me, the NHL combine takes place in Buffalo. Um, They have, they've had a lot of tournaments, you know, there that frozen four has been there. So are you trying to get a final four? Yeah. They've had world juniors there too, right? Yeah. And they have the world junior. That's a great point. I forgot about the world juniors. Um, Are you trying to get a final four or even a Super Bowl? Do you want to try to be more like Indianapolis and what they were able to do with with Lucas Oil Stadium? And initially, I was opposed to a downtown stadium. I am not so much opposed to a downtown stadium anymore. If that's the location they choose to build it, that would be easier, you know, because Canadian fans, as David knows, could cross the border on foot, which, by the way, all three of your uh, podcasters right now, the one time we all went to Canada together, we crossed the the we crossed the it's Rainbow true, Bridge on walk. foot. Yeah. Did it on foot, and it was easy. And we walked around Clifton Hill and and saw some nice sights. And yeah, if you could build a stadium downtown that's walkable for Canadian fans over the bridge, you know, all the all the better. So you know, and or even walk over the bridge and take a you know a shuttle shuttle bus to the the stadium that's not far. So I would like to see that stadium down, downtown. But right now, I think the bills are going to kind of they need to re-up the lease is the first step they need to take because they cannot get a stadium built. They cannot get a stadium approved, get money for it and built before the lease expires. So first things first, re-up for maybe a couple more years if you can in Orchard Park. Try not to lose this team because teams can move quickly all of a sudden. Um, The good thing is the team is very good right now. That might help with support in Buffalo that is needed for the stadium. But yeah, they need to get their asses moving on this because this is going to be an issue. And then I'll stop talking for like 10 minutes while you guys talk so I can rest sure, up for staying Bill's headlines. I, uh, I think that Pagula's also being Buffalo fans like from before is helpful as well. And I think the city will want to work with them. And I think that's one of the other things, too, is that whatever happens to if the if the Pagula's were to move the team, um, people would hate them. But the problem is they would also hate the city at like the city council and the, and the mayor's office and that whole shebang. And they're the only ones left in town. So when the pitchforks come out, they're going to come for Mark Poldenkrantz and, and et al, if you will. Um, so I think that there will be a way to get that done. I think also there's a level on which the NFL, even though begrudgingly they know there are bigger markets, they, in, they understand that places like Green Bay and Buffalo – um, and even Jacksonville really sort of lend them a credibility of being a national team. It's not just a a big city sport. It's an everywhere sport. And you have to have a city, but, you know, you can be a city that is not um, L.A. necessarily, although we do have L.A. now. So um, I think that I'm, I'm with Paul. Uh, we all walked across the Peace Bridge or the, the Rainbow Bridge, rather. Um, I love going to the Ralph. I think that it's clearly it's time is kind of done. It's past done, to be honest. Um, I encourage you not to subscribe to The Athletic because I find Tim Graham insufferable. Um, but you know, he, that he is insufferable, but he is an excellent writer. 
<laughs> I, I, I was just about to caveat that with, like, he has definitely written some excellent pieces, but as a human being on Twitter, at least, I find him repugnant and insufferable. Like, just maybe yes. not repugnant, but definitely just, like, he's an ass. And you're you're not going to... too far with repugnant. There are times, like, he's he's like a five-year-old boy yes. who can write okay. really well. Right, okay. So Okay, good. And then it's not just me that he's, like, I just, like, I can't even look at his stupid goddamn profile picture without getting like an itchy skin um so you know hopefully the bills do that and honestly if you're here's my um unpopular opinion if you're a bills fan and you like josh allen i think you want a stadium built with a dome i think you want this team playing on a fast track as much as possible and i think you want that for the foreseeable future because even though it goes against all your hearty um you know, we like the cold and, you know, I love that Steve Tasker meme as much as everybody else. And damn it, you're an idiot if you get if you get uh, ranch with your wings. You know what? Shut up and grow up and join the 21st century. Football is played very, very fast and it's played by throwing the ball and build yourself a place where you can do that. And also build yourself a place where people will not be cold when the fucking game play is played. OK, do it. It will help. So to me, in my opinion, get yourself at least a retractable roof so you can make the decisions about when you want to play in the elements or not. Scott, we turn to you for the final thought on the stadium, um, and then we'll go to this day in Bill's headlines and finish up for our first offseason, uh, fully offseason pod. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I do not have the ties to the western New York area that you two gentlemen have. But I will I will briefly say I think I think obviously public funding for anything is going to be real tough in the next, you know, year to 18 months. I think, you know, if the economy kind of turns around at some point, you know, people will be more willing to spend money um, at some point in the future. So you do want to start having the plans in place to capitalize that. But obviously you want to keep those close to your vest for the next kind of year, 18 months um, until you start go asking for because even with the Pagulas being billionaires, there's almost certainly going to be a public funding component to this, right? Yes. They've yeah. said they've spent all their money on the team and they are not going to be able to pay for a stadium on their own. Yeah. So uh, that is that is a that is a real thing that will be an issue um, in terms of where it is. Obviously, yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of teams that have tried to make it work with, with downtown stadiums, some teams that haven't. I think it, it certainly could work for Buffalo. I just don't... I, I, I feel like given the potential land value issues that would come with that again if you're going to have to do this partially public and you want to try and actually make it somewhat more um you know cost effective you know it seems like there's probably going to be some places a little more outside the city that might be more more feasible so i you know but again i'm not i'm not an expert on any of this but i think i think yes in terms of the type of stadium i agree i think there's I think uh, it would be great to do it indoors, but again, part of that is also, or have a retractable roof, but then part of it also does come back to the economy. I think there will be, you know, I would bet that just having a, a dome would be more expensive than having it open air all the time and having a retractable roof would be even more so. Um, I understand at some point um, when you're paying 2 billion, what's another 500 million for the retractable roof, but I would suggest that there are probably taxpayers who would find another way to spend that $500 million the next couple of years, so. Uh, quick breaking news before we go to the Stan Bills headlines. Uh, retiring is Drew Brees, officially announcing he is done throwing 5,000 yards a year. Um, 
just uh, like three months too late. Yes. Uh, <laughs> James, I am now seeing wonderfully terrible James Winston and Taysom Hill tweets. Um, oh, did you did you see the news that broke with uh, with Breeze's retirement about Taysom Hill, which Lord knows I need to find. The Saints are restructuring Taysom Hill's contract. It says it's a four-year, $140 million contract extension. Yeah. But sorry, all what? years are voidable. All oh. years. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone tweeted, if the Saints start Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston, I'm getting the NAACP involved. And I don't know. I seems I like see, I, The Bills have not beaten the Saints since the 90s. It's literally their only team that they have not beaten in this millennium and this is probably their best chance this year with the saints having so many cap problems so please god let this happen well i want to shout out my friend guillaume who doesn't listen to the show but he is the biggest uh drew he's a frenchman and he's the biggest drew Brees fan i know um and so i feel for him today um because drew Brees was i i felt like drew Brees was automatic uh he was one of these, he was like a Tim Duncan almost like he didn't win the championship. Tim Duncan did, but he just was like excellent every year, regardless of the team. So, um, anyway, Drew Brees is excellent. Maybe we'll talk about him more another day, but it is time for the best, uh, segment in Buffalo Bills football, uh, podcasting. Of course, this day in Bills headline, our very own Paul Demansky, who I am happy to in- announce. We signed to a perpetual contract at $0 a year, uh, for yep. this show. Um, Maybe we'll do a, I don't know. Everybody seems to be on the, on the, on the getting paid for their podcasting. And I feel bad if I'm denying you money, but no, that's just, a, it's okay. You know, as long as, you know, what we just how we talked about Mario Addison. We talked about Vernon Butler. We talked about Mitch Morse. You guys not make me take a pay cut from the pay that was established for me in 2012. I will never this. ask either of you to take a pay cut. How's that sound? Works never. for me. Okay. Very good. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right. So this day in Bill's headlines, it is March 14th. We have some new ones. We have some old ones. I, we have some ones that you guys will get immediately. And we have some ones that I have some deep hints for because the, the odds are low. So we'll start off. We'll go back two years to 2019. How do new Bill's wide receivers, John Brown and Cole Beasley fit? What it means for blank and blank. I have no hints for this one. I'm hoping you can just get this based on the headline. So receivers on the team before Brown and Beasley. Yeah, it seems like it could be headed that direction. Say the headline again with the blank. Let me really yes. listen. How do new <laughs> How do new Bills wide receivers John Brown and Cole Beasley fit? What it means for blank and blank. Jordan Matthews and. Calvin Benjamin? No, Calvin Benjamin was already off the team. Jordan Matthews and uh, and not uh, not Zay Jones, right? Zay Jones. You have fifty percent of it. Can you tell us which fifty percent? <laughs> yeah, you, have, you have the Zay Jones percent. Okay, so Jordan Matthews is also not good. <laughs> yes. So Zay Jones and Duke Williams. Nope, nope, and Duke's still on the team, so he's. Oh yeah, this I, guy is no longer on the team. I didn't. It, okay, I didn't realize that was part of the clue. Someone we all assumed was going to be like he caught all these deep balls and had these highlight touchdowns. He had a hundred-yard game against oh, the Jets. Like, this guy's a burner. Uh, He's going to be great. Uh, Foster. Yes, Robert, Robert Foster. Foster. Yep. The so other. What it, yeah. What John Brown Cole Beasley meant for Zay Jones and Robert Foster is they you know, were done. Yes, you're done, <laughs> and you're going to 
sit at the bottom of rosters for a couple of non-playoff teams uh, from now on. All right. Uh, no quiz, but I thought this was a great uh, headline from 2018. Smokescreen or interest report indicates uh, connection between Buffalo Bills and QB Josh Allen. It says Albright said he's unsure at this point if it's legitimate interest or a smokescreen in which the Bills would actually be interested in other quarterbacks, namely UCLA's Josh Rosen or USC's Sam Darnold. Thank you, Bills decision makers, for knowing more than we do. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. I'd say certainly with Josh Rosen, I, I – and, I, and I'm happy to say that Allen is better than Darnold, but I, I don't know that Darnold wouldn't have been good on a team that yeah. wasn't the Jets. That's, that's my only great... caveat. I feel bad for yeah. Darnold. That's I, I do, too. I like Darnold, and I think, man, I would love to. I, hey, if he wants to back up Josh Allen someday, I would <laughs> to have him on board. They're supposed to be friends. Yeah, they are. They're working out with, probably working out with Jordan Palmer as we speak. All right. Uh, 2017. Los Angeles Rams extend two-year offer sheet to Buffalo Bills blank. It says Buffalo gave blank an original round restricted free agent tender earlier this month worth $1.8 million. Because blank was undrafted, the Bills will not receive any draft compensation if they decline to match the Rams' offer. So here we go with a bigger hint. Blank, 26, appeared in 16 games with the Bills in 2016 and made seven starts at, at center after mm-hmm. Eric Wood was placed on the injured reserve. There goes my Robert Woods guest. <laughs> um, says he fared well in Buffalo's starting rotation. Pro Football Focus gave Blank a 79.5 grade, 23rd among centers. The Bills did match the offer sheet on March 17th. So would Levitre play center, but obviously he was drafted. Yep, and he was uh, gone. By, he was yeah. definitely gone by then, too. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Um, Next to Incognito, probably, yeah. or some of that, and then... Um, Craig, Craig Urbic? No. No, no, yeah. it's post-Urbic. Yeah. He couldn't um, hold on to the starting spot after Woods retirement, um, unfortunately. Ryan Groy? Ryan Groy. Hey, the other Wisconsin. Yeah, Scott, I was like, I like Scott better get this, because otherwise my last name is initially signed as a UDFA by the Bears in 2014 out of Wisconsin, so I did not need to go down to that hint. All right. 2015. This is kind of an interesting one. It'll be interesting seeing how many hints you guys need here. Bills continue to make splashes. Sign blank. What an offseason it has been for the Bills, and this latest edition could make a mammoth difference in the Buffalo offense. Spoiler alert, it did not. Uh, he makes an ideal slot receiver in a Bills offense that already has added the Sean McCoy at running back and is hot on the trail of free agent tight end Charles Clay. receiver on those here's, here's sneaking a big hint while your brains are moving blank was drafted in 2009 by the vikings and was selected as the ap offensive rookie of the year after his rookie season percy harvin percy harvin i'd even need to get down wow good job scott the last hit was involved a hint involved percy jackson and the olympians so i'm glad we didn't need to get to that all right 2014. You guys have missed on this one in the past, but I'm hoping this will be will be snapping. Gus Ferrat. Bitch Ferrat. Damn it. All right. I knew cornerback, I could say Yes. Cornerback blank eager to sign with hometown Bills. Blank's desire to play for his hometown Buffalo Bills was so strong the free agent cornerback never let the Washington Redacteds, that's what I'm just going to call them now, uh, finish making their pitch. 
He says, my agent called me and I was in my hotel room and I was getting ready to go to dinner with Washington. He signed with Buffalo instead. And I stole that redacted from Urinating what, Tree. What year is this again? 2014. Uh, so this is before Bakari Rambo, who I knew also played for Washington. And, uh, I grew up a kid being a Bills fan, watching Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, guys like Steve Tasker and Bruce Smith. And it's always been a dream of mine playing for being a Buffalo Bill. Went to my uncle's high school, Turner Carroll. Played college football at New Hampshire. Round five, pick of the Bears in 07. Played five seasons and was a Pro Bowler in 2011. Couple seasons with the Ravens and he won a Super Bowl there. Hmm. Look, we're just going to miss this again, Paul. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. But Even though you like, three years with the Bills, played all 48 games, you know, started 32 games at safety after they moved him there. Won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Uh, they let him go. No, no. Um, EJ led Gaines the, led the team with 96 total tackles and tw- or solo tackles, excuse me, in 2015. Dante Hitner. Oh boy. No. <laughs> uh, friend of Feldman and Haim. Corey. Oh, Graham. Corey, Corey Graham. Graham. Yes, there we go. The next time. All right. Not so in really. Four, in four cracker. months, I'll have my next Corey Graham headline, and hopefully, Perfect. we won't get, get it then either. Go. <laughs> 2013, Buffalo Bills signed free agent linebacker blank. Buffalo is the first team to reach out and pushed hard. This team really wanted me here. I was really one of the choices they wanted to go to. That spoke volumes of what I meant to them. Somebody comes and tells you, you know what? We want you. This is here. We need you here just to hear those words. Indescribable. This is a former first round pick of San Francisco in 2006 out of NC State. The 28-year-old blank has compiled 331 tackles and 18 sacks with the 49ers and Bengals. This deal was for four years worth up to 12 million. And then his Wikipedia article notes that under defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, blank switched from outside linebacker to defensive end in the 4-3 scheme, and then switched back to outside linebacker for the 2015 season in Rex Ryan's 4-3-4 scheme. He was... In 2016, he was suspended one game for a violation of the league's personal conduct policy due to a domestic situation during the 2015 season and appealed that suspension, but didn't matter because on September 2nd of 2016, he was released by the Bills anyway, and that was it for his career. Niners and Bengals. Yep, Niners and Bengals. Not the only Bills defensive end with this last name. There's been a more recent one. Is it a Johnson? It's not a Johnson or a Williams. Williams. Nope. Addison uh, Hughes. um. It was someone who was actually just in the news today. Um, Okay. In fact, we we were just Google news today. Just WhatsApping about him. (laughs) We were just what? We're WhatsApping about him today. Well, let me open WhatsApp. I said John Feliciano today. Oh, right. Shaq Lawson. Yeah, so who was the other one? Oh, the guy that got traded? No. No, the, the guy, not Shaq, the original guy Lawson that they had. John Lawson. Oh. Well, Michael poor, Lawson. Poor, oh, man. Corey, if Corey Graham was insulted, Manny Lawson is just beyond Manny, insulted right now. Manny Lawson, I hope Manny's yeah. not listening to this. Manny, three, sorry. He also played three seasons with the team, and yeah. man. I thought I, I was trying not to pick two ambiguous guys. But all no, right, you're just, not. 
we're right. we're rusty. It's been a it's yeah, been sure. more than a month since we've That's even done a podcast. So you know. Okay. All right. This, this you're get you're getting back on track on this one. 2012 top free agent pass rusher blank arrives in Buffalo. What year was this? This was 2012. Mario Williams. Mario Williams is correct. And they didn't they didn't let him go for four days, and yep. then he said, "All right, I'll sign." <laughs> and, and then we traded him for nothing. We traded yep. him for next to nothing. But he yep. had some good years. So Mar- Mario Williams, he if people are under uh, you know they signed him to too much money, but Mario Williams definitely had an impact while he was here. So yeah. all right, so that was 2012. On we move to 2008. Former Bill torn over home game in Toronto. Because I'm Canadian, I'd love to see the NFL in Canada, but I'd be heartbroken if the Bills ever wound up leaving Buffalo, Blank said. It just wouldn't be the same. Hmm. That's a nice sentiment. Who said that in 2008? Yep, it's a Canadian uh, Bill. I won't give the position because it's. I feel like that might give it away, but he played for the is Bills. Is he a backup quarterback? He is not. Is he a punter? No. Kicker? See, now you're just going to keep going through this. I'm going through the least, you yes. know. Uh, he played for the Bills for positions. Uh, he played for the Bills for nine seasons from '92 through 2000 and uh, through 2000. Uh, his one Pro Bowl, so all Pro okay, selection. So I don't have to. Th- I'm sorry. I was thinking of people who were playing in 2008. Right. He was done. Yeah. Although technically, he had just. It says uh, nine days before he was. He made this statement. Uh, he retired from professional football. Uh, it said the Bills officially signed him to a one-day contract, thus he could retire as a Buffalo Bill. He played a couple seasons after the Bills let him go, played with the Toronto Argonauts for one year in 07, and then officially retired in 08. He was with the Bills 99 to 2000. He was an all-pro selection in 1990 when he was with Tampa Bay, and he still amazingly... Steve Christie? Yes. There we go. Tampa Bay did it for me. There yep. we go. He actually holds a Super Bowl record still for longest field goal. No one has broken that yet. Woo-hoo. All right. 2002, another semi-easy one. Bill's draft shrouded in smoke signals. Uh, debating blank versus Brian McKinney easily could fill the space, but what's the sense? There's no guarantee the Bills will use the pick on an offensive tackle. Not after Oregon quarterback Joey. Yep, Mike Williams. <laughs> the, last, the last part of that was not after... Oregon quarterback Joey Harrington lit it up at the Fiesta Bowl and worked out to rave reviews at the Combine. Fine. So as much of a bust as Mike Williams was, at least they didn't draft Joey Harrington. All right. 1999. Blank eyes come back. Blank might be having second thoughts about his retirement after 13 seasons as an NFL offensive lineman, the first seven of which were with the Buffalo Bills. But he doesn't want to remain with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who clearly seem on the decline. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, Blank's <laughs> agent, Ralph Sindrich, is trying to get the Steelers to release the client's rights so that Blank would have the chance to play guard or tackle on a Super Bowl contender for a year or two. So I can tell you this player is worshipped in Louisville, where he played in college, because his name is like all over the city, and there's a mural and other things I noticed when I was there on vacation two years ago. That, that would obviously be Louis DeVille. Ah, uh, uh, yes, Louis <laughs> DeVille. This was a first-round pick of the Bills in 1986. He made two Pro Bowls with the Bills at left tackle. He did not end up unretiring, by the way. So Hmm. went from the Bills, three years with the Colts, and then three years with the Steelers. So before Fina. Yes, Fina's Fina's predecessor. Hmm. But would have been playing next to Brown. 
Let's see. It would have been a little, I think he would have played next to Jim Richard based on the time period. Yeah, because he would have been earlier in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, this is not my wheelhouse. You might, you'll probably say the name and it'll ring a bell, but I, I don't, I'm not going to know. I think if I give the initials, yeah. it could help. W uh, W, not Walter White. Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> initials did not help, so we'll just give the answer. Will Wolford. Will Two Wolford. Times. Oh yeah, Will Wolford. Yeah. Okay. All right. 1995. <clears throat> Good luck on this one. Jaguars signed Lagaman and Blank. The expansion Jacksonville Jaguars added two more unrestricted free agents Tuesday, signed New York Jets defensive end Jeff Lagaman and Buffalo Bills cornerback Blank. Hmm. Lagaman, who's the Jets' first-round pick in the 89 season, spent the past five years uh, defensive end after playing linebacker's rookie season. Blank started all 16 games at left cornerback for Buffalo last season and had a career-high three interceptions to go with 76 tackles. The five-foot-nine, 190-pound Blank is a six-year veteran and played with New England and Washington before joining the Bills and starting in Super Bowl 28 against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Nate Odoms. Nope. He did. He was Sean a Thurman. No. Uh, last name is the name of an NFL. Let's <laughs> say his his last Harry name. Harry not... Bird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's just go through. Let's just oh, go yeah. through segregationist senators. Yeah, seg- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to piss anyone off if right. we do that at all. Um, his last name is the name of an NFL city, and he shares a first name with arguably the world's most iconic mascot and cartoon character. Mickey Orlando. No, Mickey <laughs> Angelus. Philly, Cincinnati. Uh, NFC City. Mickey Washington. There we go. My last hit was going to be, I lived there. Uh, oh, so, so. <laughs> I Mickey don't know Washington. who that is, but I'm glad I guessed <laughs> yes. the name. Okay. All right. And the very last one, 1989. Bill's Hope truck driver doubles as pile driver. It says, one day when his pro football career is over, Blank will spend his working hours in the cab of a tractor trailer. He'll sit tall as he cruises along the highway, hitting the gears and taking in the sights. Between the engine's roar and his 30,000-pound load, he'll feel a tremendous sense of power. When you roll down a hill and set down on that horn, everybody's going to move out of your way, Blank said. There's a lot of authority driving an 18-wheeler. A lot of responsibility, but a lot of authority. Now, here comes the actual parts that will help you. Uh, For the time being, he'll settle for imitating an 18-wheeler on the downside of a hill whenever he has a football in his hands. The newest Buffalo Bills Blank knows of what he speaks. Uh, excuse me, the newest Buffalo Bills running back knows of what he speaks. Um, this is this is how the Bills hope the five. Yep. So hold on. Carwell Gardner. Not Carwell. Kenneth Davis. Kenneth Davis. Yes. There okay. we go. I was thinking that, Carwell Gardner felt more like an 18-wheeler to me than Kenneth Davis. Yeah, but, he was. He was a bigger guy than Davis. Yeah, but Davis. Davis Dave, 5'10", Dave, 209. I wonder, now, look, did you do the follow-up? Did Kenneth Davis actually drive drugs? Yes. In fact, I am glad you yes. asked, Frank, and I swear we did not set this up. I listened to a goddamn 20-minute interview Kenneth Davis did with John Murphy and Steve Tasker in 2018 before the Patriots Monday night game, and he is not, unfortunately, a truck driver. He is teaching high school football in Texas. Uh, so. Well. He's not living the dream, but he says he likes working with the kids and he gets back to Buffalo for Jim Kelly's golf tournament. It's uh, I would say it's fascinating interview. You should listen, but it's just pretty much just a basic interview and you can listen to it if you want. But that was this day in Bill's headlines. 
for March 14th. That was great. And when you said Power Driver, I thought for sure we were going to go to wrestling, but we didn't. So, it's going to be Monty Brown again, and you guys would fail to get Monty Brown. Be, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to the NWA, who is finally coming back after a year in hiatus from COVID. Um, so shout out to the question mark who unfortunately passed away, which is, that was a fun character. It has nothing to do with this podcast. I'm sorry. I went down a little, little memory lane there. Uh, if you'd like to come down memory lane with us, it's been in high where I'm almost done with this podcast. My love, wait for one second while I say the things I need to say. If you would like to hear what my daughter has to say, you can email us. No, no, no. Bbills at MNY.com or go to Twitter.com MNY Bills, Facebook.com Bbills MNY. We're so happy you're with us. We'll have another podcast, hopefully either at the end of this week or next week. Until then, my name is Frank. Scott's on mute. I'm Scott. Scott is on mute. And we love uh, you guys for listening to us. Thank you so much. Um, Take care and good night, everyone. Now, Papa.